Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud About Film. Today we're going to be discussing this extraordinary film Richard brought to my attention and that is in fact one of the highlights already of uh, the Cinema Rediscover 2023 program and that's Bushman. Richard, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so it's uh, an American film. I think it originally released in, in 1971. Very little seen, so it's a fairly recent rediscovery. It's directed by a guy called David Shikela. It's a fictional film, although some sources describe it as a documentary. It's about a Nigerian who moves to the USA to be a teacher, and he's living in San Francisco, and he then has various encounters. On the, he's kind of hanging around on the fringes of kind of radical black politics and white student activism and... and the art scene and this kind of thing and it just looks at how his encounters with those people how they react to him how they treat him what's he going to do with his life um, and then the film takes a kind of unexpected turn now i think it's, it's a slightly hard film to talk about because to, to me and i don't know about you but when i first saw it i didn't know that the thing that happens was going to happen and it really had a, yeah and it had a real impact on me and i think on a lot of the audience when it happens, I mean, we're not talking. It's not like it's not like the Sixth Sense or something. You know, it's not, it, it doesn't turn out he's dead or anything like that. But it it, it is quite good going into the film not knowing that. On the other hand, the Richard Archer program introduction tells you this. The website for cinema is rediscovered on this film tells you this is going to happen. It's, and it's quite hard to discuss the film without saying about this thing. And I think we, so. Obviously, we're going to have to talk about that but I'd really recommend that people watch the film first. <laughs> mm. I think it's an extraordinary film, mm. actually. It's extraordinary because it condenses in this very elegant, nonchalant way issues that black American cinema would persist in exploring and dramatizing, you know, from then until now, right? And it does so in little ways yeah so for example there's the scene where paul the black yeah. well, gabriel is the character um oh, sorry gabriel. paul is the actor but, it, but there paul is, is the actor the yeah, okay. <laughs> so there's a scene where uh, gabriel goes to eat with a white woman and this black waitress gives the white woman the up and down which is you know one of the big things in Jungle Fever, right? Actually, you could argue that Jungle Fever is all about, you know, a film made of a scene like that. The interactions between gender and race tied to couple, to interracial coupling. Yeah, and it's just like a look in this film, yeah? And I think like that look, it has an economy of dealing with everything else, with the issues that confront black men, what it means to be educated, in a racial kind of context, uh, what kind of being African means in a country that's used to being kind of African-American, you know, the way that uh, black men are systematically incarcerated as a kind of industry. I mean, those are all issues that the film deals with. In this very exciting, visually interesting, kind of sonically evocative way. Mm, mm. Having said all that, this is, David Shikela, who directed the film, is, is, is white. I assume the film was made very collaboratively with, with 
the, with the lead actor. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There were all these very nuanced and subtle bits. I mean, there, at one point, so early in the film, uh, the, the the Nigerian character Gabriel has a a, a black American girlfriend, um, and there's a scene where she's she's teaching him to talk in, in inverted commas street. It indicates that she's actually a kind of like middle class black American who has taught herself to speak like the black Americans on the streets of, of San Francisco. So she's teaching him to lose his African accent and not to talk like a middle class American, but to talk like to talk street. And it, it's it's very nuanced in terms of those different identities. And there's a great scene where they're in a bar and the camera just keeps showing you all these 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 advertisements posters aimed at black people and as he's as the character says it's like there's all these photos of people and the only they're photos of black people but the only black thing about them is is their skin because they're basically behaving like white people and it's and it is just these adverts that that, that are sort of aspirational white middle class things but with black people carrying them out it's it's Mm. very interesting very subtle that way it's so interesting because it really, to my mind, covers everything. So, for example, there's the thing about the hair, right, which becomes a big thing in the Creed films, almost like a code. And that's a very minor thing in the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. But it's there. The film is set in that period of 68, after the murders of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And, yeah, so there's a sense of a change in the culture, a bit of a revolutionary fervor, there are student strikes. Almost all of the theorists of the period are mentioned. Yeah, I'm thinking of people like Marcuse and people like that. Yeah, so these are intellectual activists, black culture mm-hmm. in Watts. And the film evokes that so beautifully, I mean, and, and does so also visually. So the opening image is this Nigerian walking through a highway, almost like an archetypal kind of American image. Yeah, those those shots that you get kind of in a highway. You get that in like my own private Idaho, right? With the yeah, yeah. Phoenix walking the highway. But this guy is walking with a pair of tennis shoes on his head. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> it's an incredible image, I think, which kind of, you know, condenses uh, the film uh, so, so beautifully, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the look of it is amazing. It's kind of all, all these really interesting shots. It really struck me the guy, you know, David Shkela has a, he's kind of got the, a, this like photographer's eye, really. You know, just shots of people, simple things like people driving a car or or people in a bar. I mean, the scene where his girlfriend is is dancing to, I mean, she dances to respect like Aretha mm. Franklin in the bar. It's amazing yes. film. Tell us a little bit about the director. David Shkela, he, um, so he died in, in 1999, I think. He had been a Peace Corps volunteer actually but earlier in, in his life and he, he was a bit of a child prodigy he, he conducted a symphony orchestra when he was 15 and things like oh this. But, uh, anyway he was a, a peace corps volunteer in nigeria two years after that he went back to nigeria uh, to make a documentary for the peace corps about the experience of white americans volunteering for the peace corps in nigeria there's a really interesting article by a guy called roger landrum who was the star of the documentary he made. So it was just a film called Give Me a Riddle. So Give Me a Riddle is supposedly a documentary um, about Roger Landrum, who is 
very similar to David Shikela. I mean, Landrum apparently said to Shikela, it's like I'm playing you in this film. So he, he Shikela takes Landrum back to Nigeria um, and just films him going around to the houses of four black Nigerians who they had met when doing their Peace Corps service. Um, so they go around to these people's houses just to see what happens, which frankly, if that was my house, I'd be really annoyed. <laughs> Some, Hello, I met you two years ago. Can I come into your house and film a documentary? No, piss off. Uh, but anyway, they, they, they let them in and, you know, talk to them in the houses. They also, in some cases, uh, these people took them elsewhere in Nigeria. So one of these four people is Paul Okpokum, who is the lead in Bushman, right? So Paul Okpokum was a Nigerian who David Shikela knew through the Peace Corps work and featured in this documentary. Um, and at one point, Paul Okpokum takes them to his home village. So the footage you see in Bushman of Gabriel having flashbacks to his home village, presumably is footage of Paul Okpokum's home village shot while making the documentary. So that's the background. So, so Give Me a Riddle was the first film. And Bushman is kind of the mirror image of that. Roger Landrum's article describes this as Paul Okpokum came to America to star in the film. As far as I can gather, that's not the case. It, was sort of, it just happened that Paul Okpokum came to America, I think, as part of some Peace Corps scheme to on a temporary visa to teach in San Francisco and was still in touch with David Shikela and then starred in the film that David Shikela wanted to make about the experiences of a Nigerian man or an African man um, in that kind of milieu in, in America. When you look at this film, there's confusion about whether it's a documentary or not. Obviously, if the, I mean, the first hour of this film is fictional and the, the last, spoiler, the last 15 minutes is a documentary. Uh, the IMDB, for instance, thinks it's a documentary. Um, they list Jack Nance as playing himself, which I mean, Jack Nance from the Razorhead is in this film, obviously not playing himself. It's clearly fiction, but you're seeing documentary footage within that fiction of Paul Okpokum's home village. There's all these scenes where Gabriel or possibly Paul is talking direct to camera about his life in Africa and his, his experiences in America. And to me, that felt that felt like that's Paul Okpokum speaking, you know, that, because it, 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 didn't, it didn't feel scripted at all. That felt like him talking about his experiences and, and he's very engaging, very amusing about, you know, uh, the age that people, that, it was okay to wander around naked and when it wasn't and all of this kind of stuff is, is very is very interesting so it's kind of this mix of of fiction based on Paul Okpokum's and presumably other Africans real lived experience which I think is why it's because it's based on that experience I mean you know, David Shikela is a white filmmaker that has managed to capture that experience in a very authentic way I think by collaborating closely with a guy that he'd known for several years both in Nigeria and in America. What I love about the film is its lightness, right? So it's very engaging. He's very charismatic. You're very into the film. It seems to go lightly from thing to thing to thing. But actually, also the depth, yeah? Because what you get in that movement from thing to thing to thing, yeah, is this kind of rich analysis and rich personal evocation through analysis of, you know, a colonial situation in Nigeria where, you know, the um, national anthem is written by a British woman, you know, the state of war and fighting between the tribes, 
you know, the effects of the church, which are very different kind of than local culture, local understandings uh, that also entail abuse. You go into the States and you have this depiction of, you know, the, the white savior activist, mm, right? Mm. Uh, and also you have, you know, the predatory woman who, you know, as soon as the sex is over, wants this man out of her house as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have one of the characters saying, oh, it's so interesting that all our contemporaries are, are married and with lots of children, but really the, the, the brightest, the most intelligent and the most energetic of them all are in prison. Right? And why is that? I just think that to go through all of these issues, which end in really, you know, when, when, when the protagonist is deported, and he says, well, why am I deported for criticizing the country? You know, America is now rules the world, you know, so, so basically it's kind of dictating what is happening in my country. Why don't I have a right to speak about what America is doing since America is ruling my country? And therefore, in a sense, I am also American. In the, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, those are quite complex it, links. Yeah, we are going to talk about the ending of the film now, and, and I, which I say, go watch the film first, don't listen to this. But basically what happens, so you've seen, you have an hour of Gabriel wandering around, having these encounters, you say, and these very interesting uh, analysis of how everyone reacts to him, how black Americans react to him, how white Americans react to him, how women react to him, how a, how a gay man reacts to him. Then suddenly the film kind of stops. And you, when I was watching this, I saw it in the, in the cinema at Ritrovato, and, and there's a scene, and then the scene goes black, and there's this kind of tone of white noise and you think something's gone wrong with the screening and everyone's kind of looking around. There's been all these scene, these pieces to camera by, by Gabriel or Paul, and it cuts to another of those, but it's a different guy. And he's, and he just tells you, the guy that you've been watching up to now, you're not going to see him anymore because he's not here anymore. And you, it, the film, you, you, you're then told that Paul, not Gabriel, so the, the actor, um, has been deported. And the film the, the, then uses that to turn into a documentary and essentially like a polemic about the US justice system, the US immigration system, the way this guy was treated, his experiences in prison with interview and with yeah with interviews with his friends, with a with you know, a cellmate from prison, with bits of audio from Paul, with bits of documentary footage. There's a student riot or a student demonstration, sorry, at San Francisco University that he's working at. Um, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time is picked up by two policemen, is brutalised by the police, and is then uh, arrested for carrying an explosive device, which, based on what we're told in the film, and I've got no reason to disbelieve what we're told in the film, uh, was planted on him. The, the, the way the story is told, it's very, it's a very clear miscarriage of justice. Uh, obviously, we're only shown one, one point of view on it, but I, I, it feels like a credible story. He ends, he ends up in this very catch-22 situation, uh, firstly, that um, because of his arrest, um, his visa is cancelled, so he has to leave the country. But he can't leave the country because he's been arrested, and the Justice Department won't release him in order for him to leave the country. So he's he becomes an illegal alien because he's in prison. And so he's then told, well, whether you're found guilty or not guilty, you're going to be deported because you've overstayed your visa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you, and he, you know, he's like, well, I can't. I'm in prison. You know. The the other thing is that he's initially told because of the nature of the offence he's accused of, he won't be sent to a 
high security prison, he'll be sent to like, you know, an open prison or whatever. But actually what happens is he gets sent to a high security prison full of violent offenders. And the reason is because they know he's going to be deported, there's no point sending him to a prison which is aimed at rehabilitating people because he's just going to be, why, why waste time? We're going to deport the guy. It's just appalling, really. Is. So the logic is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, and these two sections of the film, which can't feel so different. Yeah, you're thinking you're seeing a fiction and then it turns into a documentary, which is also so self-aware. Yeah, almost like Brechtian and so on. But actually, it's also unified by a narrative arc, which is about turning this Nigerian man who feels that his accent and his clothes protect him from being treated like a n-word right there's a discussion about it in the film and then actually what the film shows is that nigerian accent and tribal costume or not american culture reduces a black man to an n-word yeah with all that that entails so i would say that that is the idea that unifies both sections and, and, it, and also because what we're told at the start of that section because we, we get a very brief summary of what what would have happened in the rest of the film is that the character Gabriel would somehow get into trouble with the US authorities, presumably because we see a couple of brief scenes where he's starting to interact with the kind of black power activists that he was introduced to early, early in the film. What fascinated me is, again, as well as the fact we see documentary footage in the fictional part of the film, during the documentary part of the film, we're told that he's, he's actually arrested twice, so the second time he's just picked up because someone is, has, has committed a robbery and he just is the first guy that walks past it fits the description. He's very quickly released, but he, he ends up handcuffed to a, a parking meter. And there's a, there's a shot of him, of Paul or Gabriel, handcuffed to a parking meter, which I assume is, wasn't documentary footage. Presumably that may have been filmed for the earlier, for the fictional part of the film. And as the narration says, it's, it's like, it's not that truth is stranger than fiction, it's that truth is faster than fiction, because this all happened very quickly. And then he spent a year in prison. What we're told, incidentally, about what happened next, because um, according to this Roger Landrum article, Paul was briefly imprisoned and then deported to Nigeria, where he resumed his career in acting and theatre management. The implication of the article is that David Shikela and Roger Landrum stayed in touch with all four of the people from Give Me a Riddle for years, so that would have included right. Paul. So, yeah. right. Okay, great. Uh, well, it's definitely a highlight. I think it's a truly great film and a truly great rediscovery mm. uh, for cinema uh, rediscovery. Yeah. The, the other thing I'd say is that the so Milestone Cinema are, are responsible for this uh, restoration. They seem to be the, on their website. It looks like they're going to release a double, a double Blu-ray DVD of both Bushman and Give Me a Riddle, which will be fascinating because they do sound like films that are connected in a very very interesting way so. well thank you very much richard uh thank you all very much uh for listening um, and we should uh, also thank uh cinema rediscovered for giving us access to this film because we're not able to be there in person well thank you very much cinema rediscovered uh, and thank you richard uh we are thinking aloud about film uh and we highly recommend uh that uh, you see bushman if you are in bristol for cinema rediscovered and if not we eagerly await uh, this uh, release. Thank you very much. Bye bye.